Paul has spent so much time since his conversion trying to articulate who and what God is. Since those scales first fell from his eyes, he has listened and taught and traveled all over, continually seeking. And here in Athens, he finds an altar carved to an unknown God. At that time in Greece, people worshipped many gods. They built shrines and statues and left offerings to them. And even among that great host of gods, someone was reaching, wondering. Someone was considering the God that we do not yet know, but who is surely out there somewhere. The unknown God. Now Paul is standing before the Areopagus, a great outcropping of stone just outside of Athens, speaking to a gathering of well-educated people, perhaps even to the Council of Judges. He begins to explain his understanding of this creator, this one who is both mysterious and also imminent, who is absolutely present. God who created all that is, who gave light and breath and shape to our world. The God, he reminds us, in whom we live and move and have our being. This experience is something we have all had, every one of us, even though none of us can remember it. It's where we all started being held within another being, entirely dependent on someone else nourishing us, sheltering us, bringing us into the world. Of course, it gets complicated as soon as we human beings get involved. And so, no, it didn't go perfectly well for all of us. Human mothers are not, in fact, God. But I believe that our beginning in the womb points to this idea of Paul's. Our beginning is something we have experienced and yet do not know. It's something we cannot recall. As Paul lifts up this unknown God, he reminds us similarly that we are fundamentally held by God. That we always have been, even if we can't quite put our finger on it now or, or remember the details of how. But it's where we started. And perhaps more importantly, this is with whom we started. And as Paul unwinds this thread, he points to how this unknown God wants more than anything to be known. God wants to be searched for and encountered. The goal is not mystery, but connection and relationship and deep knowing. God wants to be found. And I think we share that desire. 
we too want to find our God, it's the unknown peace that can get tricky. It gets tricky because life gets in the way. We lose people we love and ways we hold dear. We see how the world can get complicated and bogged down by all the wrong turns that humanity takes. And we grow disillusioned. It can become hard to hope, hard to celebrate, hard to trust that God has anything to do with those aching places. My guess is that some of you are feeling that today. While here inside the church we are carrying on with Eastertide, everywhere else we will go today is wrapped up in Mother's Day. And I am all for saying thank you and for sharing good food and fun with the people that we love. Mother's Day started as an appeal for peace, which is fantastic, and has since then evolved into many things. Again, the gratitude, yes, and also so many ads urging us to spend just piles of money to honor our mothers. And maybe hidden more deeply, it's a day that can carry the implication that that being a mother is the ideal, that it is the right way to be a woman. It is a painful message. And of course, it is patently false. Life takes far too many shapes for there to be one right way. And so, whether you longed for kids and didn't have them, or if your relationship with your kids is fraught, or if you've lost your own mom, or if She wasn't there for you the way that you needed. Or all the other countless ways our relationships can go sideways. There is room for all that in this church today. Friends, if, if you are trying to smile but you are also hurting, maybe bracing, maybe dreading, I see you. Taken all together, it can be overwhelming. To be honest, I have spent the the last decade generally trying to avoid this holiday. Sandwiched between the, the losses of my mom and my son, it's felt simpler to just sidestep the whole thing. And while I still don't appreciate the consumer pressure of the day, or the, the simplistic pigeonholing take on motherhood, I'm also beginning to see how this way of fending off Mother's Day creates its own problems. Because walling off parts of the world doesn't just shut out some of the ache, it also shuts out God. And then sometimes something comes along and cracks us wide open when we least expect it. One of these times came for me uh, a while back now when I was still serving at All Souls in Berkeley. It was a Sunday morning. It was 
in the middle of communion, I was tearing off pieces of bread, placing them in one pair of outstretched hands, and then another. The choir was singing an anthem. Well, except it wasn't, it wasn't an anthem exactly. It was the 23rd Psalm, as interpreted by Bobby McFerrin, written for his mother. We've sung it here, and we will again in a little while. The words were almost entirely familiar to me, all of them but the pronouns. She makes me lie down in green meadows, they sang, referring to God. She restores my soul. She leads me in a path of good things. I could feel this gift welling up in me as I continued around the altar sharing communion. And then came the final stanza, the doxology. Glory be to our mother and daughter and to the holy of holies, they sang, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. My feet stopped moving as I listened to them sing. My mouth forgot the words it was supposed to say to the next person who was standing there reaching for communion. I was stunned, and I I simply stood there letting these words sink in. I have long believed that God exists far beyond the Father and Son language that our worship uses. And yet to hear another way lifted up, right there in the middle of our service, in that moment, maybe for the first time, I could find myself in these words without translation. I could find my own mother and my daughter right there in the church, right there in our naming of God. And in hearing those words ring out, I I found myself being pointed back to that unknown God. When we stay on the presumed safety of well-worn paths, we miss out on coming to know God more fully in ways we cannot yet imagine or anticipate. When we shy away from the searching, we will not encounter the mysterious one who longs to be found by us, by you and me specifically, together with all the questions and trepidation and longing that we bring. Maybe to my own surprise, one place I think this is true for me is in this secular holiday. Not because I want to take part in all the materialism of it, but, but because even here in our longing, God is present, waiting to be uncovered. Even in the ache, God is waiting to be known to us as our mother, as the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And God is waiting to be known to us as daughter, too, as the life that emerges from us and keeps on going.
So what if we stretched into that unknown place? What if we settled at the feet of an unknown God and and chipped away at making our own altar right there? What if we allowed ourselves to be curious, to, to open up, yes, in the beauty and the celebration, and yes, even in the desolate places also? What if we took this on as a spiritual practice to look for God where we least expect her, to search her out in the unknown places, to go there with purpose, confident that even there we will find the holy of holies.